Hi, this is Mwenda Says, a podcast by me, Mwenda Ngao, on all things life. So yeah, <laughs> the podcast is late this week. Um, it's just been a really, really tough week. Um, hmm, I don't want to get into it, but yeah, it's just a lot of stuff that's just gone not great, um, you know, this week. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. But yeah, I was like, you know what? I, I owed a podcast. So here we go. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So as always, thank you so much to everyone that has listened, that has shared this podcast on the socials, that sent in voice notes and everyone that shared feedback. I'm grateful and excited to be doing this podcast and I'm looking forward to having more great conversation. So I had said last week um, that you know, the last episode that this episode would be a review of some of my favorite African TV shows and films um, that I'm currently watching and loving and, you know, that you can easily access because, of course, there's a lot of stuff I watch that I kind of have access to that um, not everyone would have access to. So I wanted to kind of keep it in a way where it's like, okay, something you can access um, easily or at least access in some way, you know, um yeah so that's what i'm gonna be doing uh today so before i get into that though um first things first there's a huge conversation going on on social media mostly twitter around the mistreatment of kenyan creatives um the conversation was started by silas silas miami so i know silas known him for a couple of years now um so he's a Kenyan filmmaker and um, the conversation has gotten so big that it's now under the hashtag KE creatives deserve better. And there's a Twitter handle at watchdog KE that has been formed that is dedicated to bringing truth to life around exploitation in the creative industry. So basically Silas um, started the conversation. He talked about the mistreatment of filmmakers under uh, Ginger Inc. and One Fine Day Films. Silas had worked with them on two films, um, Supermodel, where he was a writer, and uh, Lusala as well. So if you don't know Ginger Inc. and One Fine Day Films, I'm pretty sure you know that the work that they've produced, um, the, the films they've produced, um, include Nairobi Half-Life, Something Necessary, Veve, Kati Kati, Supermodo, um, and Lusala. So I, I know Ginger Inc. and One Fine Day Films because I have worked for them on production uh, for Something Necessary um, and for pre-production for Veve. I was a production assistant. And so that was like one of my first like jobs, I would say. Um, I also did take part in the One Fine Day Films um, workshop in the production, in production. So, yeah, I've interacted uh, with them a lot. Um, so for those who don't know, I'm a change filmmaker. So um, that was sort of like how I started my my working life was in TV and film, um, especially in mostly production and writing. Um, so, yeah, also worked in TV. So um, did a couple of wrote a couple of uh for a couple of these shows, including, um, yeah, well, I was a head writer actually for Sumula Penzi, so, and a bunch of other things. And listen, my experience wasn't great, but I chalked it up to being young. And um, because, you know, the people around me then weren't, you know, they weren't complaining. They're just like, okay, this is how things are and this is how things be. So I was like, okay, so I'm gonna, I guess, just suck it up <laughs> you know I'm just gonna suck it up but yeah I mean it's not like I didn't see those things because it's true um there was a lot of uh bullying and a lot of um mistreatment and I think um one of the things that I've always hated is just around um I think I even did a thread let me just go to like my Twitter and look at the thread. But um, one of the things I really hated for a very long time is just the whole idea um, of um, the whole idea of creativity just being put on a weird pedestal because I kind of feel like when that happens, um, it leads to really bad behavior, okay? 
So this it's like a God complex around creativity. I don't think I'm special as a creative. I don't even, I don't think other creatives are special at all. To be honest, I think talented, yes. Amazing, yes. Um, you know, people with amazing work ethic that I would love to borrow a whole forest from. Absolutely. But special, no, because I think that's what like fuels and protects um, abusive behavior. And there's work abuse in all sectors, but it's amplified in creative spaces. Because honestly, I've worked in other sectors and I've always been really, really just, I mean, I'm like, yeah, there's always work bullies everywhere you go. You're just like, okay, you know, you know what I mean? You know, you know what I mean? If you work somewhere, you know what I mean about work bullies. Um, But in creative spaces, it's amplified. It's, it's the only place where I'm like, people really cast it, like cast at people in your face you know, shout at people, abuse their colleagues, and it's completely fine. It's acceptable because, you know, that's how creatives are. are. That's how the creative process is. Um, You know, like being a creative makes you some sort of God. And I'm like, please, okay, please. Um, And I remember somebody actually talked about uh, this. I can't remember who, but they talked about this, um, about especially the ad industry, whether like, I mean, your job is not to save lives, you know, there's no life or death in the creative field, yet the pressure is, it's like you're in the ER, and I'm like, that's ludicrous, uh, because you're not, you're not saving lives, you're not looking for the cure for cancer, you know, I mean, you're not looking for the cure for COVID-19, okay, you're just like making stuff, does that stuff make people happy? Great, but I feel like a lot of that, um, urgency and um you know elevation or just putting these things on like this pedestal where it's like life or death and people need to make stuff and and push for this stuff to be bought by people i mean it's really driven by capitalism you know and it's why i hate the whole concept of celebrity worship because someone makes movies or music or art you like i mean they're like a god to you like you're gonna fight for them why i mean what makes that work more inherently special than a bank teller for example you know and i know of course i'm i'm really like simplifying this conversation because of course there's a lot you know that goes into why um and hyper visibility is one of those things i mean plays a big role um yeah so i don't i mean listen just because someone is making music or movies or art you like or you know what they they play well in a sport you like and you know you like them because they're, they're good at sports I know your favorite footballer or favorite basketballer that doesn't give them the right to be an asshole that doesn't give them the right to abuse their colleagues that doesn't give them the, give them the right to rape and assault people um because there's nothing special about that work that get, that grants them God's status honestly so I understand the role that art plays in the world. Of course I do. I'm an artist. I'm a creative. Um, it's a gift. But I refuse to enable toxicity in the creative industry, okay? Because that is not right. You can be great, a uh, great artist and, okay, you're a great artist. What does, but that doesn't mean that you're a great person. And I feel like we have to absolutely make sure that we are um, very careful I mean, we've seen what happens when we allow people to get away with things because we like their music. Look at R. Kelly, look at Bill Cosby and a whole slew of other people that have been protected, you know, and it's part of what I was saying about capitalism. They're making their money makers. So people are, are kind of protecting their bags here. But also there's now when you go to the fans, they're not getting any money from these people, but they're still like really protecting and being loyal and all these things. And I'm like, why? Because they make nice music or they, they make nice movies or nice TV shows, that means they can get away with things just because you like the stuff. I mean, that doesn't make them a good person, you know? Those are two different things. Just because somebody plays well on in a sport, that means they can get away with it. I mean, I think I've made my point, but I'm literally like, honestly, it's just, it's something I really, 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 I just hate. I really hate it. Um, so I think it's an important conversation where we can really have um, discussions about what, um, how we expect people to treat each other, especially in the creative industry. Um, and then, of course, the undertones that are there. I mean, I don't even think they're undertones at this point, but, you know, the whole conversation about um, how a lot of this um, is, is driven by the fact that um, a lot of the people in positions of power in the creative industry are white. And they treat uh, black 
their uh, black uh, counterparts, colleagues, um, as inferior, you know? And so that is a big discussion, and I'm completely all for that discussion. I feel it's about time we call out people who are mistreating uh, people in the workplace, and especially in the creative industry where it's really, really just, it's like the norm to do these things. And no, we're not having that anymore, okay? So I'm glad to see people being called out. In film, um, I've seen also in theater, people are calling out um, abusive uh, behavior and across the board, you know, ad agencies, etc. So I've seen also at Courage Stories um, is also sharing some of those, um, you know, conversations and stories. So, yeah, check it out. Check out um, at watchdogke and also the hashtag uh, KE Creatives Deserve Better. There's a lot of conversations going on there. If you want to amplify, if you just want to you know, find out what's going on, if you want to share, you know, I feel like if the more of us get involved and the more of us care um, to change things, then the better it is for all of us. Because God knows, I mean, it's like exhausting. I mean, nobody deserves to be, I mean, people are having, you know, falling into depression and having panic attacks because of a damn job. I mean, come on. Okay, so we we need to be the change. It needs to stop with us. So I'm very happy to see that um, that conversation has started and I hope that it's going to lead to bigger changes. Anyway, so back to today. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about, you know, some stuff that I'm watching and you can, you can check out, okay? So let's get into it. Um, yeah, I've been spending a lot of time watching things, <laughs> reading things, listening to things, just basically consuming tons of content. And I know I'm not the only one because um, and we're living in interesting times. So you kind of find, um, you know, the stuff you would be doing during that time, like you know, going out somewhere. Um, it's not it's not um, available. So for, um, you know, leisure. A lot of it is consuming content, uh, at least, um, you know, at this time. So, yeah, um, of course, you know, there's the content that um, all of us are consuming. Um, based on Twitter, um, I know I talk a lot of Twitter about Twitter a lot, but it's because I'm really, like, very active on Twitter. <laughs> so, like, based on Twitter, I'm like, really, everyone is watching Insecure. Um, that's the one that I've been seeing a lot of conversation around, Um I think Westworld, people are watching Westworld at some point as well. I mean, that's a show I struggle to watch because I'm like, damn, really? <laughs> Sometimes I want to watch something that's not going to take a lot of brain power. You know what I mean? Anyway, so, um, you know, I've been also like discovering things like, especially like on Netflix. I'm like, wow, there's so many reality shows on Netflix that I did not know existed. And I love the reality shows. Um, you know, the cooking shows, the, the pastry shows, the interior deco shows, um, the travel shows, the fashion shows, especially next in, next in fashion, if you watch it. Oh, my God, my favorite one. So I love, love, love the reality shows on Netflix. And by the way, this is not sponsored by anybody. So I'm not like, you know, trying to hype, hype them, um, you know, because I'm, I'm getting a check or something. No, it's not not the case um yeah so i've also been watching like you know been really pleasantly surprised or not really surprised i think happy uh, you know to see the african content um that is on netflix and also on showmax you know so i've been binge watching a bunch of it and also the conversations have been uh, really um encouraging online so that's what i'm gonna be talking about today so it's just not really i wouldn't say it's a review because um, a person that really puts in a lot of effort when it comes to reviews. I think like reviews need to be done with a lot of care. And um, so this, I wouldn't say is reviewing. I would say it's really just like chatting a little bit about what I like about 
um, you know, what, what I'm watching and recommending. Like, this is what, um, you know, you guys should check out. Of course, I can't talk about every single thing that I've watched because there's a lot of it and we do not have all, you know, day <laughs> but um yeah so that's what i was saying it's not really a review because that would require a lot more time um input into um you know talking about it really breaking it down and that's not what i'm doing so i'm just really just like saying this is what i like and this is what i like about it and this is where you can watch it yeah so first things first let's talk about queen sono so I remember when I saw the trailer for this and I was blown away. First of all, Paul Thusi is stunning. I mean, I was like, girl, bye. This woman is so beautiful. And the shots, I mean, they look great. Also, the fact that it's Africa's first original Netflix show is a big deal. So, um, yeah, I was already hyped before it even, um, you know, came out. Um, then funny enough, I didn't watch it immediately. I think I was, I, I don't know what was going on that time. I think I was, um, excuse me. I think I was swamped with a bunch of other things. So I saw a lot of the conversation online before I even watched it, um, which I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. So everyone, people were talking about it. The guys were like, oh, we don't like it. Other people were like, oh, I love it. You know, blah, blah, blah. Um, not that it affected me in any way though, because I'm actually, I'm those people, even if you, I mean, I hate like plot spoilers, especially like huge plot spoilers, you know, that kind of annoys me because then it's like, okay, <laughs> uh, I didn't want to know that I wanted to kind of like watch and, and that have that like whole, um, experience of, you know, the revelation of what, um, the creators or the writers were trying to drive at. But in general, I don't really get affected when people talk about stuff like, oh, what do they think and whatever, because I'm like, uh, I'm going to watch it and make up my own mind, you know? So I wasn't really, it wasn't really like something that affected me. Um, Yeah. So Queen Sono is about a South African spy who goes by the name Queen Sono, um, who finds herself in a nefarious web of business and politics as she seeks to uncover the truth behind her mother's death. So it stars, as like I said, Pearl Tusi and was created by South African filmmaker and comedian Kagiso Lediga. It's six episodes long, so you can basically watch it in one sitting, which is what I did. And I loved it, okay? I loved it. The cast the cast is great. It's spot on. I think Pearl Tusi is perfect as Queen Sono. And I love the character. I mean, I've seen some people saying, oh my God, they don't like the character because she like curses and things. I'm like, what? What are you even talking about? Like, that's why I love the character. She's more of an anti-hero, okay? Which is refreshing to see um, because I was worried they'd make her like, you know, some squeaky clean, like goody two-shoes, um, you know, out to save the world, you know, Captain America type of thing. And I'm like, I don't want to see that, Okay. Um, I feel like we already have enough of that and I wanted to to see something more and I love that they went in that direction I mean she's messy she's cynical she gets her hands dirty like she's not perfect and she she's really flawed and she doesn't even pretend to be you know she's like super self-aware about her, her flaws even though you know she's fighting um, her demons and figuring herself out but I love that I love that she's a complex character um I love that she's like you know whatever you know what I mean like and she kicks ass like I love that um and Paul Tusi really did a good job um on that I mean really good job also I love the I love the cinematogra- uh, cinematography the showing off of Africa's best I I thought they shot in multiple um locations across the continent um you know, including Zimbabwe, um, Zanzibar, South Africa. I really enjoyed the cinematography. I love the action. Um, the fight scenes are well done. They're very believable. Um, you know, so the only things that, that kind of like didn't work for me is like the spy organization. It's called Special Operations Group. Um, I felt like it was like very muted. I mean, they're like like meeting up in what is basically like a random conference room somewhere, you know. And I think I, I think maybe I'm used to like, you know, if it's like an, a spy, secret spy organization, I want to see like, you know, a super spy headquarters that has like some, you know, you know what I mean? Like it has like a whole like setup and stuff. And I'm like, OK, I wanted to see 
you know, more of that, I guess. Um, yeah, but it was still, it's still great. I, um, I really liked it. Um, I liked the character a lot, especially. I liked how she had like all these things to deal with. I really love that. I think a lot of, um, one of the, the biggest um, critiques I have for like big budget or even just um you know the some of the african movies i've watched is like the character development is really not that great and for me i really liked like i knew i know who queen sono is just from watching um you know uh, the series i know who she is like I, I i have no doubt you know about about who she is and that's a great thing i think um yeah, so the the main body is really um so Queen Sono's former colleague and boyfriend Shandu, um now he leads a rebel group called Watuwema, and has joined forces with um a Russian business mogul called Ekaterina Gromova. So she's like the the main body, right? And she's like really good. I mean, she's great. I really loved um, I really loved that character. So throughout, you know, this first season, um, it's really just Queen Sono seeking answers about her mother's death. So her mom, um, Safia Sono, was a famous revolutionary. So there's a lot of, of, of um, you know, looking at that, at revolutionaries and the revolution and things like, um, um, you know, colonialism, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't even know why I'm saying blah, blah, blah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Um, all while, you know, Queen Sono is trying to maintain, like, relationships. Like, with her grandmother, Mazette, I loved that whole relationship. That's really, that was really well done. Um, and with her friend, who's also a therapist. I mean, that was, like, okay, really random. Uh, but I like that. I like that you can see, I really felt like I could see this character. I could, I could feel this character. Um, I feel like they really did a good job with that. So it's been renewed for season two, and I'm really looking forward to it because it ended. Um, I'm not gonna again. That's why I was saying sort of really review because I'm not gonna spoil. I guess I'm not gonna talk about like the plot. Um, but yeah, it ends like on a very like, oh my god note. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely want to see season two. I want to see more. Um. Of Queen Sono. I want to see more of Queen Sono, for sure. Uh, that's that's a show that I definitely can say that I like. Uh, okay, so moving on to Blood and Water. So Blood and Water is another South African series that's also on Netflix. Um, six episodes as well. So it was actually number one when it came out in a couple of countries. Um, it's a teen drama created by award-winning South African director Nosifo Domisa. Um I don't know. I don't know how I would, um, I'm trying to f- figure out how to kind of like, um, e- you know, explain, explain it, I guess. But, um, you know, people have been saying it's a gossip girl meets elite. So, you know, it's, yeah, which kind of, I think kind of does cover it because there is the, it's the whole idea of the, you know, teens in a prestigious private schools, um, and romance. And, but then now there's also the whole, um, you know, murder and intrigues of, of things like that. So yeah, that, I guess that does cover it. Gossip Girl meets Elite. Um, but you know, I kind of feel like I hate, um, kind of like looking at, um, reaching to, you know, Western stories to kind of, um, explain our own, but, um, yeah, for now that covers it. So it, the story follows Cape Town teen, Pulen Kumalo, who's played by South African rising star, Ama Kamata. As she tries to find to find her sister Fikile Bele, who's played by Kosi Ngema. Um, so Fikile Bele um was abducted at birth, basically. So that's the story. I mean, I love the show. I binged watch it as well. Six episode. First of all, because majority of the cast are fresh faces. Um, so this is like their screen debut. They're all pretty young. Um, the teens, I mean, okay, they're not teens, they're like 20 and 21-year-olds you know pretty close to teens though um so they they're really amazing i love also the accuracy of the rich kids private school scene um you know there's there's like this fierce academic uh, competition the cliques the parties the drugs the sex the family drama it's kind of similar to the kenyan scene to be honest i mean i went to a boarding school i went to precious blood Ruta. 
So my experience is very different. Um, <laughs> I feel like that would be a whole other podcast because, <laughs> yo, going to a Catholic uh, public school um, is really something else, uh, guys, especially when it's, um, you know, a school that's very focused on academic achievement and, and piety and things like that. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Anyway, story for another day. But yeah, I spend my free time not trying not to get punished. For ridiculous things like my shoes not being brushed enough, you know. <laughs> but I had uh, rich kid friends in private schools, so I kind of experienced that side as well. Um, when you know, when I was on holiday, I would um hang out with them, and yeah, there were a lot of like parties and things like that. So when I was watching Blood and Water, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is this is kind of accurate, you know. Um, I love how it balances themes like, you know, the human trafficking, colonialism, family trauma, homosexuality, statutory rape with the angst of teen drama. The cinematography is, is gorgeous. The cast is great. Like I said, the pacing is pretty good. I mean, it's a mystery. We're following Pulang as she like puts two and two together to kind of figure out uh, who abducted her sister. Um, and first of all, figuring out if Figile is even her sister and then trying to find out who abducted her. Um, and then, of course, towards the end, we're not even sure if they are related or not. So don't worry. There's no, you know, I'm not spoiling. Um, then there's, um, what else? Yeah. Then, the, you know, her dad is being accused of being the killer. So the sh- I mean, of, of killing or selling um their daughter you know and so she's trying to clear her dad's name while dealing with all these other things you know so I really enjoyed um I enjoyed it a lot I enjoyed it a lot and I'm looking forward to season two um yeah it's definitely a fave I'm really I enjoyed it I loved it um yeah so let's move to from SA to Kenya um and I guess from Netflix to Showmax so I'm watching Kina. It's a drama series. It's starring uh, Sana Paintande. So it's basically like a David and Goliath story because um, it's about a poor girl taking on a powerful business and having to find her place among the rich. Um, I'm enjoying it so far. Sana Paintande, by the way, plays the villain. So that was interesting. Um, actually, she's, she does a, a decent job, I think, uh, playing the villain. So it's not as sleek as other shows have mentioned, you know, uh, but I guess, you know, budget, of course, plays a role in this because, I mean, the others have like Netflix budgets. Um, this one is it's it doesn't have that Netflix budget. Um, I think it's, I don't know if it's Mnet or something that I think it is. That's where they got the, the money, the money. Um, I think that's where they did. But yeah, so you can it's not as sleek, I guess, but it's it's good enough. Um the story is really interesting and I like that it starts, it actually starts from the end and then goes backwards. So you kind of already know what's going to happen from like the first, um, like five minutes of the first episode, you know, and then they go a year ago, you know, so they're like, now you're watching the build up to what happened, um, which is great. I like that kind of, I don't mind that kind of storytelling at all. Um, segue though, <laughs> there's drama around the production of this show. So um, remember when I told you about the K creatives deserve better conversation. So apparently um, comes there Mortella, who is arguably one of the best actors in the country. I mean, I really love her. I love her a lot. I love her acting. I think she's amazing. So she did a whole thread. I mean, you can go check it out on Twitter. She did a whole thread where she talks about um, being cut off from the show. Like she was supposed to play the the the, the character that Sanaipe is playing. So she was supposed to play that character. Um, I believe the character is called Nana. She was supposed to play that character. But um, so she had shot like maybe like over 20 episodes. But the producers, she claims the producers refused to give her a copy of her contract, among other things, um, allegedly. So um, I'm like, wow, if that's true, that that's really really terrible um and it's such a shame because it is a, a really good show um other Kenyan shows on Showmax that I haven't quite started watching but I've heard you know people talking about them and I'm like yeah I should 
definitely give them a chance um and if you guys are watching them you can let me know what you think or if you'd like to so you know watch i guess i can just mention some of them so there's kovu um the system maza pete i don't know if it's pete or pete pete i think it's pete um so yeah and um I mean, the ones that I, I kind of do watch, I mean, I watch Selena and I know Selena is really popular, um, but I've been like on and off, on and off, but I, I'm going to catch up. I also started watching Maria. So that's, I've just really done just like one episode, so I can't really comment that much on it. Uh, but it has like Brenda Wairimo and I'm like, yeah, okay. I uh, want to watch that as well. Um, then there's My Empress um, that has Naomi Nganga and Kate um so i'm trying to figure out when i will watch it okay so my empress i've heard good things and also my friends worked on the show so i kind of feel bad that i haven't watched it as well um if you remember the episode i did on um on a conversation with kenyan writers and gatia who works on too early for birds also worked on my empress as a writer so i'm like okay i should probably watch so yeah there's so much content um canyon shows right so i'm gonna make sure that i watch definitely um what i haven't watched and keep watching what i'm watching because i'm so far enjoying myself um so um sticking to show max i'm also watching and watching a bunch of african films and it's been great to see a lot of my faves that they're 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 on there as well now um supermodo katikati and uh, plan b so i mentioned earlier um supermodo and katikati were produced by ginger inc and one fine day films and are part of that whole story um you know accused of mistreatment of kenyan filmmakers um yeah so supermodo and katikati are actually in my top five of my favorite kenyan films i watched them in the cinema uh, when they came out, um, I know the filmmakers as well. So if you haven't checked them out, then it's a good idea to check them out now because they are on Showmat. So you can you can watch them, you know, uh, comfortably in your home. So uh, just a quick recap of them. Even though I've watched them, I rewatched because I love them. So Supermodo is a 2018 internationally co-produced drama film um, written by Silas Miami, Gambin Thiga, Wanjeri Gakuru, Kamau Wandungu and Likarian Wanaina and directed by Likarian Wanaina. So it first premiered at the 68th Berlin International Film Festival and was selected as a Kenyan entry for the Best Foreign Language Film at the 91st Academy Awards, but it was not nominated. So I remember that uh, for the nominations for the Kenyan entry, it was between Supermodo and Rafiki and Supermodo uh, won one. Um, so the film is the story of a young girl, Joe, played by Stacy Waweru, whose dream of becoming a superhero is threatened by a terminal illness, inspiring her village to rally together to make her dream come true. I mean, listen, I watched this film. I even remember who I watched it with. I watched it with one of my besties, um, Lulu. We watched this in the cinema and it was so beautiful and heartwarming. I mean, I bawled at the cinema watching this. Okay, listen. To be fair, if you know me, you know that I cry a lot. Um, even if I will be watching a comedy and there'll be like a cute like moment and I'll be like, oh, and start crying <laughs> and start crying. So it doesn't take a lot to, to make me cry. So, but this was like, I mean, it, I mean, everyone was crying. Okay. So it was really moving. I mean, and I cried, like cried. My, my, my face was red and hot. My ears were, were like burning up. My throat was clamped up crying, like ugly cried. It is fantastic storytelling. I mean, I laughed. I cried. I was so invested and I loved every character. I definitely want to see more of Stacey Waweru, the little girl that plays Joe. She's great. And um, I feel like this is a really, this is really just, it was really good storytelling. I felt that um, one of the things, like I said earlier, is, that I find like we as as Kenyan the Kenyan um film especially in film we have got to the place where we have great uh you know great uh, technique in terms of you know the technical part of of filmmaking so great shots great cinematography um you know uh you know everything is really sleek now but the storytelling sometimes it's kind of like not it's not perfect it's not 
uh, it doesn't need to be like 100% perfect, but it, it needs to, you know, just work. And sometimes it doesn't. And you're like, ah, okay, it was good. But there are all these other things that I'm like, uh, um, mm-mm. yeah. So I kind of really liked that this was just really good storytelling. I mean, it was really good storytelling. And I'm a huge fan of Lucarian Ranaina. Honestly, Lucarian, I'm really sorry. I saw he again talked about um, his experience working on this film. I mean, oh man. Like he said that he was he was like broke and he wasn't getting any support from the producers, that he had to like pay his way. He had to get people to um crowdfund for his visa fee so he could attend film festivals. And I'm like, really? I mean that's really, really just terrible because I don't know. I feel, I thought that part of the production cost um, is is that like your director and producers should be able to travel um, to to travel to uh, festivals because that's isn't that part of like the film's run. I mean, I don't get it. Why would he be paying out of pocket? Um, you know, so he's talking about how he's, he'd come home and he's like in like Netherlands, first of all, like at a festival, um, I, I think it was, I believe it was like Rotterdam. And he's, um, he said that he, he's like, he had only 3000 shillings on him, which is like $30. Okay. Um, and then he comes back home. And he finds his house locked, like you've come from winning awards to find your house locked. And that is really terrible. So he's like, he doesn't know if he'll ever make a film again. He's back to TV now. Um, and actually, he's one of the directors at Kina. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's really sad. That really, really hurt me to hear. Because I'm a huge fan of his. And I guess I felt that he was doing well and you know when you see fellow filmmakers because i kind of took a step back from film when you see fellow filmmakers who you admire doing well you're like oh my goodness then i guess it's hope for the rest of us but when i hear this i'm like oh my god is there really hope for the rest of us because this is happening to like somebody at that level you know that's really really just terrible really really just unacceptable um, anyway, so yeah, but congratulations, like Karen, you did a great job on that film. And I hope that you one day do make another film because I definitely want to see more from you. Um, another film that's on there is Katikati. Again, it's also a One Fine Day film, uh, One Fine Day and Ginger Ink film. So this one was written by Mbivi Mbasia and Mugambi Ntiga and directed by Mbivi Masia. So Katikati stars um, Nyokabi Gedaiga and El Safanjora. Um, it premiered... Um, where did, I can't remember where it premiered though, but I know it was at TIFF, um, Toronto International Film Festival, that they won um, the prize, the International Federation of Film Critics for the Discovery Program. I know they won that. And I know it was selected as a Kenyan entry for the Best Foreign Language Film at the 90th Academy Awards, but it was not nominated. I'm a fan of this film. Um, it's very bold, picking the afterlife and exploring exploring themes like suicide, drug abuse, uh, post-election violence, uh, forgiveness, love. You know, I mean, it was heavy. It's a heavy film. It really doesn't let up. And, um, and it's a little scary as well because I remember watching, I was like, I had nightmares. <laughs> Um, but I, I mean, I had some questions and I remember talking to Mugambi at the, I think at the end, I think it was the premiere, I think, um, Mugambi is uh, one of the writers. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't questions like, oh, I don't understand this. It was questions of, oh my God, expound on this because I love that about a film. It, when it has, it had me thinking and forming questions. Um, so yeah, it's, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a bold direction to take and I liked that. I'm a fan also of Mbidi who directed the film. Um, Bidi, if you know Mbidi, uh, he used to be in Just a Band. One of the coolest um, Kenyan bands. Uh, I keep waiting for them to get back together. But uh, so far, I mean, I love what they're doing on, in their own time. You know, everybody's doing a really a great job in their own time. So yeah. Um, if you haven't watched it, you should, I would say do not watch this movie with children. <laughs> and if you're watching alone, I hope you're not scared because <laughs> I was a little scared. <laughs> um, yeah. So moving on, um, plan B is also on Showmax, although you can still, watch, I think it's still online though. Cause I watched it when it came out, they put it on YouTube. So I watched that. Um, so Sarah Hassan, shout out Sarah Hassan. 
she's cool peeps. Um, so yeah, so Sarah Hassan um, stars in this. Um, she has also produced this, one of the producers. So Sarah Hassan um, finds out that she's pregnant in uh, in this movie. I think her character, what is her character called? Oh my God, I can't remember. Um, so after a one night stand with a mystery man, played by Daniel Etim Ifyong, um, and then she teams up with her best friend, who is played by Catherine Kamau, uh, to come up with a plan to make sure he pays for the baby's upkeep. So it's really a fun film. Um, it was written and directed by Lola D, who um, a Nigerian filmmaker, and it's a great like rom com. And I love to watch rom coms, especially like I want to see more Kenyan rom coms. You know what I mean? I want to see more African rom coms because I feel like sometimes um, the kind of like content that is coming out of here, the films, they have to be like serious and things like that. And I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, want to win Oscars and and whatever. But I also want to watch like entertainment films for the sake of like I want to just be entertained and I'm I love a good rom-com you know I really do I can never get enough of rom-coms I'm like this is this is great you know it's it's nice um I really liked I liked it a lot um it's hilarious it's a good watch um Kate um Catherine Kamau <laughs> she's she's really good I mean she really plays the the crazy uh best friend um really well so I really love their chemistry um, and, of course, um, love the chemistry uh, between Sarah and Daniel as well. And the funny thing is that Sarah was actually pregnant um, while playing a pregnant woman. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, great way to, um, you know, make use of a pregnancy, make a whole film. Um, yeah. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. So if you've now watched it, you should check it out, definitely. So um, to talk about like the movies, I mean, I'm watching a couple of movies back to Netflix, uh, Netflix now. So I'm back to Netflix. I'm still catching up because there's so many of them. I would say um, trying really hard to kind of, um, you know, catch up with everything. So Living in Bondage, Breaking Free is a 2019 Nigerian drama thriller film. It's written by um, Nicole Asinogo and CJ Obasi, executive produced by Charles Okpaleke and directed by Ramsey Noah. And this is his directorial debut. So I was really curious because when I saw like, okay, this is his directorial debut, I wanted to watch it. I'm a huge fan of Ramsey Noah. I mean, you guys, if you grew up um, you know, in Africa, especially Kenyans, hey guys, I know Nigerians know their people, but I'm like, Kenyans, you know, we watch a lot of Nigerian movies. Okay, a lot of them, a lot. So <laughs> so Ramsey Noah was like, mm, our yummy, 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 um, you know, leading man. I mean, I used to like watch and be like, Ramsey! <laughs> I mean, you can get it. <laughs> so I'm like, I was like really curious to be like, oh, okay, he's directing now. Yeah, I want to watch what he's directing, definitely. Um, So again, just showing my age out here, but I should actually remember the original Living in Bondage, um, the film. It was, it's a 1992 classic. Like, I mean, I was pretty young in 1992. I was like a toddler, but... I, you know, like how the, the tapes used to be there. So I watched it a little later. But yeah, I've actually watched the movie. Um, I even believe it came on TV. You know, the way they they still, I think they still even show those old Nigerian movies, like the movies from like the late 90s and 2000s. They still play those things um, on our TVs, um, TV stations here. So yeah, so I remember watching the original. I actually even remember the original. So the original film starred Kenneth Okonkwo, um, you know, one of his like more famous, even if you don't know his name, if you just Google Kenneth Okonkwo, you'll see his face and be like, oh yeah, that guy, that guy, like he's always, he's, he's always in these um, movies. So um, the original film is, is, is basically uh, starred, yeah, Kenneth Okonkwo and um so what is happening in this one? It's basically like a sequel. So it's 25 years after the events of the original movie. Uh, Kenneth Okoko's character, Andy Okeke, he's abandoned the secret cult, right? That forced him to kill his wife in the first, you know, that movie, the first movie. So the cult is now known as Brotherhood of the Six. 
and has expanded into an international organization with associates of different nationalities, right? And most of the Nigerian members who survived um, the Otokoto riots of 1996 have fled the country, apart from Chief Omega, who is now running to become the next Imo governor. So the film then is following um, the son, well, Omega's son, basically, um, the son of um, Andy, right? The guy, yeah, so Andy, sorry, not Omega, Andy. So Andy, okay, okay, who's played by Kenneth Okwanko. So the story is now following his son, the secret, his secret son, because he didn't know he has a son and the son doesn't know that he's a father, basically. So it's following him now and him getting into the same cult. So the son in Nandi, uh, Namdi, Okeke is played by Swanky JKA. So I didn't know who Swanky JKA is. And it turns out that that's a good reason because this is his like breakout role. And I was really impressed. I mean, I really, really liked his acting. I was like, yeah, it's very natural. He's, he's very like um, <laughs> cheeky, I guess. And I really enjoyed how he played the role. It was really nice. And then Ramsey Noah is directing, but he's also he's in, the, he's in the film. He's the main villain, right? So the movie receives uh, received positive reviews. It set box office records, um, and it's yeah. So it premiered to an international audience on in, on not, on Netflix in May twenty twenty. So yeah, I have watched so many Nigerian movies, and I've watched even like some of the recent ones, but this one just blew me out of the water because honestly, guys, yeah, the cast was fantastic. The acting was fantastic. The cinematography was gorgeous. I was like, yo, 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 yo. I want to see more of this Lagos. I loved it. I loved it a lot. Um, It was sleek. It really, I think it really played the whole part because, um, you know, it's about like wealth because, you know, you know, the whole idea of getting into a cult to get wealthy. I really bought it because from the beginning, they really do show Namdi like struggling to make it. And I loved it. I love that. First of all, I love that they picked advertising like he's in, um, trying to start his own agency. And I was like, OK, <laughs> That is so relevant to me and so relevant to a lot of my friends. Uh, it's such a millennial thing, you know? So I, I kind of, I completely bought it. I bought like the the little bed sitter he's in, how he's hustling, how he dresses, for, tries to dress for success, how, um, you know, the relationship with him and his uh, brother, um, you know, how they're really close, how they try to go out and, you know, buy bottles of Henny and they can't afford, and they can't even afford like shots. They try to go to swanky clubs. They can't even afford the shots. They get thrown out. I love the whole, um, you know, him just trying to make it, you know, trying to make it and be like, I'm going to make it, you know, no matter what. And then of course, just falling into this whole like cult thing and not knowing exactly what he was signing up for until it was too late. And, um, I loved the way they really showed the Lux, you know, the Lux life and how the Lux life really is. I mean, these guys are not, I was like, damn, okay. They did not spare, spare us in this movie because yo, there was a Ferrari. They were driving around in Ferrari, in a Ferrari. Um, They went on a party in, on a yacht. They, um, I mean, they were drinking bottomless champagne. They had a whole party like with bottomless champagne. Although it kind of looked like um like Moet was a sponsor. Okay, Moet was a sponsor clearly because I could kind of tell the ads and things. And I think they literally had a Moet party where they shot um some of the scenes, but it was an actual Moet party. But I really liked that um they really committed to showing the Lux. Lux life, I mean the houses, everything. It really worked so that I could completely believe that indeed his life had changed and yeah that that lux life is so good it's hard to it's hard to see straight especially when that's what you've been trying to work towards your whole life you know that's the goal and now you're out here with millions and and living that life so i really really love that and one of the other things i really loved was that um the person who was investigating was a blogger i was like again relevant relevant really relevant that you know you have a blogger who's uncovering this um Murder is called. I'm mean, like, this is so millennial and um, just so on point. I also love the whole um, 
the character development was really good. I, I'd say the buildup of the relationships was really good. Um, especially the love, um, the love scenes were really good. Um, him and, um, so Namdi and his girlfriend, Kelly, I mean, the buildup of the relationship is really well done. The dialogue was really great. I really believed that that was an actual relationship, like the way they built it up. Um, and even there was a sex scene and it was a great sex scene. Okay. It was a really great sex scene. And I was like, yeah, the, the I mean, the shots are really good. Everything was great. So yeah. And the special effects. Oh my goodness. I, I can't not to talk about the special effects you remember how like we used to watch nigerian movies and you'd be like <laughs> like guys you would still make fun of it now you know the memes and things that we use now on twitter and other social media platforms but it was really well done like it was sleek and well done i was like mm, yeah yes and i loved the cursing as well i loved it um there's this scene where they're in a car um, the Ferrari and Ramsey Noah tells uh, no, Ramsey Noah, Noah's character tells um, this Namdi guy get into the car and he tells him can you ever drive in a Ferrari drive a Ferrari and he's trying to he's like you know like oh my god thank you sir and then he's driving like really slow and Ramsey Noah is like um, smoking a cigar and he's like oh um, basically like you know this is a fucking Ferrari drive the Ferrari <laughs> I loved that scene. I loved it. Um, yeah, so I loved I loved this movie a lot. I mean, it was really long, though. It was, like, over two hours. I was like, okay, guys. Could have probably been, like, one hour, 30 minutes, or one hour, 45 minutes. But they went all the way, like, almost, like, two hours, 30 minutes. But um, I enjoyed the movie. I would definitely want to watch more. I was like, okay, I probably need to go back to Netflix and see if there are more Nigerian movies kind Nigerian movies that I can watch there and and things like that because I really enjoyed it very much I think the ones that I've watched are a little bit I get on the serious side you know what I mean the winning Oscar winning type whatever movies and films and stuff and I'm like nah I want to watch this kind of entertainment um content you know as well so the themes are the same you know as a, as a other older Nigerian movies you know witchcraft and 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 religion and, you know, greed and, and the folly of greed, you know, things like that. But the execution, it's a thousand percent, you know. So I definitely want to see more. I want to see more from Ramsey Noah as well. And I definitely want to see this Swanky JKIA guy. I mean, he's a good, really good actor. And I want to see more of his work as well. Okay, so moving on swiftly. Gosh, I've really talked about it a lot. <laughs> I liked it that much. Anyway, um, last but not least, uh, there's a uh, cook-off as well. So Cook Off is a 2017 award-winning comedy movie from Zimbabwe. And it's, yeah, so first film, I think, on uh, yeah Netflix um, from Zim. The comedy film was written and directed by Thomas Brickhill alongside Joe Jagu uh, for production. And it, fe- it features um, Tendaishi Chitima, Jesse Mungoshi, Eddie Sandifolo, uh, Chirikure Chirikure, and popular rapper Ten Diamond or Tendai Nguni. So... The film revolves around a single mother who has a passion for cooking and she's yearning for a better life. So she gets a shot at greatness when her son enters her into a top reality cooking show. So I watched the movie. I mean, I like the the story. Um, you could tell like production wise, they didn't have a budget. I mean, it's really clear from just watching. And I was like, okay, what was the budget? So when I went to like research later, I was like, oh my God, they really didn't have a budget at all. Um, like for real, they did not have a budget, <laughs> but I really liked the great, the great, um, to make the film because, you know, during when they were making this film, Sim was like literally, um, struggle life because this was towards the end of Robert Mugabe's uh, presidency that, you know, the inflation was ridiculous. I mean, if you go and read up on what the filmmakers were talking about, uh, during when they're making this film and saying that they literally didn't couldn't even get like twenty dollars to buy water on set, you know, but they managed to make a whole movie. I love the heart of the movie. It's it's such a sweet, I mean, it's a sweet movie. You know, it's like heartwarming, and you're like, oh, you know, nice, nice, nice. So I liked it. Um, I liked it a lot, and I definitely do want to watch um, some of the characters. I want to watch them in more stuff as well. Some of the actors, rather. I want to watch them in more stuff 
as well um because they're really good and i i enjoyed it um i also was like really loved the like um the music and at first on a sense like wait don't give up like it kept playing i think it was like the the main soundtrack of a movie and i was like i know this song i know this song i know this song and then i was like oh my god is it is that the noisettes i know that i love the noisettes um so one of my besties from high school actually uh she's the one who introduced me to the noisettes i think i don't know when she introduced me to noisettes um thanks viola i don't know she introduced me to the noisettes i think it was i don't know it was like high school or past high school but she introduced me to the noisettes um and yeah they're an indie rock band from london um and i'm a huge fan so they were playing some of their music and it's because um shingai shoniwa who's like the lead singer um she is the she's actually from zimbabwe so she's zimbabwean british so she even makes a cameo by the way in the movie and uh, that's when i was like wait it like kind of clicked for me because i was listening to the song and i was like is this the noisette then i saw her make a cameo and i was like wait is that shingai so yeah if you've never heard the noisette you should go listen to them um they have really good music um my favorite is Atticus. That's a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, they're really amazing. And I never forget you. So sort of really, I mean, it's like really good music. Um, yeah. So like I said, the acting was great. Um, a very sweet rom-com. Also, yeah, I do want to watch more. And I want to watch more Zimbabwean films. I know they're not that many. Um, but yeah, I'm like committing to, to like find more um, from that country. So, yeah, that's kind of some of the stuff that's on there to watch. I mean, I could talk also about, like, stuff that's online, but I'm like, I feel like uh, we'll get into that in another podcast, um, especially when I'm going to talk about, um, have the conversations, rather, in conversation with filmmakers, and I think it would be easier for us to also talk about, like, some of the content that's online that um, you guys should check out, some of the platforms that a lot of Kenyan filmmakers are putting their content on and where you can find them, you know, I know that um, there was supposed to be a short, short, short. Um, and if you've never been, it's um, it's a great platform. DocuBox usually has, um, if you go to Twitter or Instagram or whatever, really, um, online and search DocuBox, um, you will be able to see some of the stuff they're doing. So I go for their 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 screenings where they'd have like a lot of stuff around shorts short films um unfortunately because of COVID-19 we can't do that now so they were supposed to have something actually yesterday um on DocuBox so it was gonna be on um I think cinema.mydocubox.org or something like that yeah, but if you just follow at DocuBox Film Fund, you will be able to kind of keep up with what they're doing. So yeah, I watched. Um, I mean, I've watched a couple of shorts. They also give money if you're a short uh, filmmaker trying to make shorts. They do give money. You can apply for some of their grants and things like that. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I wanted to watch some of the stuff. They didn't like. They had some technical difficulties, but yeah. So there are also shorts on there, you know, to watch. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of content, a lot of great filmmaking being done on the continent, and yeah. So we'll get more into that, of course, when we have a conversation about film in Kenya and talk to filmmakers. Then now from there, it will be easier also to just like tell you guys, like, hey, go watch this and this and this. But that was basically some of the stuff I'm watching and I'm enjoying. Feel free to tell me what you're enjoying um, as well. I've been your host, Mwendengao, and this has been Mwanda Says, a weekly podcast on all things life that is out every Wednesday, or at least I hope it will be out um, every Wednesday. Um, if you'd like to share a voice note to be featured on the podcast on how you're coping through this pandemic or on uh, what you think about this podcast, this particular episode, or what you'd like to hear from me or you know any other contribution, you can do so by emailing me at hi at 
m-w-e-n-d-e-n-g-a-o.com that's hi at mwendengao.com please do try and keep it about one to two minutes long i'd love to hear from you interact with me on social media on twitter and instagram my handle is at mwendesoso that's m-w-e-n-d-e-s-u-s-u or on my facebook page mwendengao and on my blog mwendengao.com so next week we'll talk all things sex with Gertrude Mungai, lifestyle designer on sex and relationships. I'm really excited about that. So yeah, send in your questions as well. If you have any questions for Gertrude, I'm sure she'll be happy to answer them. Till then, remember to wash your hands, social distance, wear your mask, stay active and be kind. And remember to have joy as regular practice. So seek joy, claim joy and cling to joy. Thank you for listening.